Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pink Bike Podcast. My name is Henry and this week I'm joined by Kaz, Taj and Brian to talk all things bike breakages. What should break, what's reasonable to break, why things perhaps do break and whether in fact we'd want to ride the bikes that don't break. Kaz, you've been testing bikes for a long time. Have bike breakages got more or less common or have they just changed? I'd say they're less common. Yeah, I think... Yes, less common in general. They still happen, but not to the, they're not as common. And yeah, we'll get into the different ways that bikes can break. But I think overall, it has gotten We're better. in a pretty good time, right? Yeah. Now, Taj, you're, you're somewhat the inspiration for this pod because you do suffer. You know, BMX background, hate to say it, the meme lords will be happy. But I've seen you ride and the way that you load transfers is really quite impressive. And you do find, I believe, that you can push bike parts without even necessarily deliberately doing so yeah i'm i'm trying to wrap my head around how to ride mountain bikes because my brain wants to just manhandle my bike and force it to do whatever i will it to do but i think you guys should tell me but i think mountain bikes take a little more nuance than that and i maybe shouldn't push things quite that hard but yeah i've had quite a lot of failures and it can be frustrating and brian you had a free ride past back Alleged. in the day yeah so <laughs> what were the things that you were breaking when you were really getting into because what and it sounds kind of silly now but were you a free rider is that true sure yeah an totally. actual free rider actual free rider oh, yeah. drop in tv that I, gives you all I, cred i wanted so badly to be in a mountain bike movie when i was a child um but i remember i was thinking about this i remember going for rides like a like go to Penticton, like the t next town over, and we we're going to trail ride and then maybe do some urban riding after. Mm. And I remember bringing a spare bottom bracket, a spare <laughs> square taper bottom bracket, because they all broke. Yeah. And Kaz, so let's talk about, you know, what, what things often fail. And let's talk about what's reasonable for it to fail. Like, for instance, for me, we, we were talking about this the other day, but things like rim failures aren't necessarily something that bothers me that much, as long as it happens straight away. But I think eventually shit happens, right? Yeah, and again, it'll kind of depend on the material. I think we know aluminum rims don't last as they're not indefinite use items. Can you ramp up the toxicity, guys? You're uh, being too pragmatic. Just be like, yeah, everything fucking breaks. carbon rims, man. Stink. Yeah, I mean, again, even well, I will <laughs> say like even carbon has gotten better though. Because initially, yes. when we first started car first started testing carbon wheels, it seemed like every third one would break pretty and easily. What was the first carbon wheel that you rode that you thought, huh, we're here now, or the one that you thought, huh, we're there now? I don't really know. I mean, I'd say like the last five years. It's like, I mean, some of those specialized Revol carbon wheels, I mean, they all, they can all break. Like I, I can't think of a, most of the wheels that I've tested at some point end up breaking and that's kind of how, you know, the end of their life has been reached. But like, I, I just don't think they have that as, they don't happen as often and they're not as brittle. I think carbon wheels are a lot more like linear in their failure than, than aluminum wheels. Yeah. Like, you're not going to dent one. So you're going to like ride it and then you're going to hit something wrong and it's going to make a noise and you look down and you say, Oh, I broke my wheel. Hopefully you can limp out. But whereas I aluminum, you, you're, you know, you can bang it around a bit and maybe limp it out. Yeah. And I think as prices have gone down, it's almost like you can stomach it breaking once in a while compared to when all carbon wheels cost $3,000 and then they tended to break even more often. That's when like the price to performance to benefit all that didn't seem like it added up and now companies have lifetime warranties they seem like the construction has gotten better so i don't think i think there's people can make an argument for or against carbon but it's it's less um like uh cut and dry now brian i'm gonna maybe ask you a question that we'll edit out later 
Well, no, not that. But I may be surprising you with it. But it's just something that occurred to me. If you think carbon wheel failure pink bike, you might have your mind cast back to a quite a highly sort of an article mm-hmm. that blew up a couple of years ago regarding some Envy wheels which cracked, yep. which, which failed. Now, I'm sure we've all here broken wheels of any material mm-hmm. and shit happens to me. I'm not going to go into specifics of that detail. But how do you think... Hmm, do you think that, that article would have had such a reception now, perhaps? Do you think it was maybe... Because it felt like almost there was a point where, a couple of years ago, where there was so much scepticism in the, cons- the, the consumers, the mountain bikers. They almost wanted something... They almost wanted like a um, a wicker man. Uh, I think that's still the case. I think that Envy is a pretty easy target for people who um, are frustrated with how expensive bikes are today. Yes. And well, they I, didn't help themselves making that suit. It was like a clothing. No, <laughs> it was not like made of like all of pillows or something. It was like downy. <laughs> I don't. They didn't help themselves. But go on. Yeah, that's fair. They made like a. What was it like a blanket, like a snuggie? Yeah, it was like a zip-up blanket. You oh, could yeah. buy it for like three hundred dollars. It looked like princess fiber, carbon fiber snuggie. No, but imagine if Princess Leia was going skiing. That's what she would wear. It was this ridiculous down jacket with. It was horrific. It was. I think it's just like a random lifestyle piece that that um, people latched onto, mm. us included. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I it, like for sure. I think that they bec- they are kind of a target because of the sort of premium position they hold. And they were the first, and so they're, like, the one that everybody compares against. And, like, that that failure of that wheel was unacceptable. It like, was. It was not good. Um, I think it would have exactly the same effect if, if it happened today. Um, in fact, I think it might be worse because i think it's even less acceptable today and so just for i mean i think a lot of people are very curious about there was there any i mean i think it's probably gone on long enough and maybe let's talk more general terms how what's pink bike's stance on products that break during a review uh well i mean you're what you're really asking is like did envy lose their shit no they didn't they were really really quite good about it um i wasn't here at the time Mm -hmm. like let's let's shoot this straight I think there were some quite salacious ideas around that review. There sure were. And the truth is actually quite boring. Correct. Um, people work at different companies at different times and wheels break. Yes. But with, with, it's kind of, well, that was kind of the deal, am I right yes. thinking? Yeah. Um, but I think people do love, I think especially like you said, there's a target on Envy's back, right? Mm-hmm. Because there was, they are, or well, at least they, I think they were for a time. Maybe things have changed up a bit now where they were like the ultimate bougie bike brand. Um, Taj, have you ever been tempted by carbon wheels? Not really. I had a set on a Santa Cruz bike, and um, I just felt like they were kind of flexy. Mm. Like they just felt uh, like they flexed less, less distance, but sharper compared to aluminum. And I like couldn't get enough tension in them. They always felt rubbery to me. I feel like Taj would be a good candidate for some of those like early NV wheels that were so stiff, like crazy strong, but like they went way too far into the stiff. And like nobody at that time had figured out how to make carbon wheels strong, but not so stiff yet. Yeah. Compliance like, wasn't a buzzword then. Yeah, it's no. like here, this is carbon. It's stiffer and better. And then it just felt like you're riding yeah. on like wood. But I feel like you might like that or benefit <laughs> from that because it felt very direct. And part of that, conversation too was it was early 29er time so a lot of the bikes were kind of flexy in the back end and so they would put 
carbon wheels on it, like brutally stiff carbon wheels on it to sort of make the whole package slightly more acceptably stiff. Yeah, that, I mean, that was my own experience with them. And it just felt like I couldn't track the bike where I wanted because it was a little, I don't know, just like, it just felt like there was, well, there's just flex. But did like, you, did you break them? No, no, no. I, I, they were fine and I didn't ride them very long at all because I had a set of aluminum wheels that I had like ridiculous tension in and that felt better to me. And, and so we spoke about this before, but you told me the other day that when you used to, before you drop in into a, a big ramp, you go to 120 PSI. And just crank on loads of tension on the spokes, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's on a BMX. Maybe. On a BMX. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the ramp is perfectly smooth. There's no traction needed. You just want speed. And any flex is robbing pumping speed, basically. So, yeah, I'd switch out my frames and my cranks because they'd get flexed out and tighten my spokes before a run. And I mean, not every run, but, you know, if I wanted to go high. And how does that integrate? You know, you, you ride a hardtail now. You're smashing about Whistler Bike Park on a steel hardtail. I'm taking you down some, we've done some runs where you've very admirably t- got down some tech stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. happy to give it a go, but it is rough and it is, you know, it's everything you probably wouldn't want to ride on a hardtail. Why don't you ride a full suspension bike? Uh, <coughs> well, you guys are supposed to talk me out of it, I think, but um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why, I, it just feels the most comfortable to me. That's the only reason. And I, I guess every time I get on a full suspension bike, I just break the shock like, or something fails in the shock, like without, without fail, it fails. Can you say that? Yes, <laughs> I think you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With fail. With fail. Yeah. yeah it, it happens too quickly and it's so frustrating that I just give up on them. Mm. And um, right, let's go to a very quick ad break here before we come back. And I want to talk to Kaz about shocks. So guys, right, we're going to talk about shocks because I think that in terms of accepted failure, there were some frames, and I think it's become less common now, that used to maybe be, I think that if do flex and flex alone, we've kind of got to the point where frames aren't asking shocks to do too much and over-reliant the stiffness. It was, there were some frames, you know, those polygon bikes we used to have in the World Cups, they couldn't run and a coil shock, not because of any leverage rate, or that's what they said, it was just because it relied on the inherent stiffness of a larger shaft air shock do you think what what kind of i don't know can it ever be a case of shit happens with a shock with the braking or should a shock last the length of a bike if it's regularly serviced yeah i mean I, well yeah if it if it's regularly serviced it should last the length of the bike but i think yeah again like you're kind of saying there's been certain suspension designs that come out and we find it find turns out that it puts a lot of load on the shock you know, if it side loads it and then it can need to lead to you know early wear or the seals get damaged or just something happens. So I'd say, yeah, like frame, um, frame failures are probably more rare these days, but I think we've, in the last few years, we've seen a lot of shocks having issues, um, due to whether it's on the shock manufacturer side or the frame manufacturer side or a combination of both. Yeah, just a misalignment between yeah. what they had to do, because it feels like, you know, you can make frames so many different ways. And sometimes if you think about, I'm looking at a, you know, a transition repeat to e-bike now, relatively kind of short link. But there's some that the links are so big with maybe small hardware, a lot of flex, or maybe even on the case of that polygon bikes, they just had like a foot long yoke to basically just do whatever it want, do whatever they wanted. And sometimes if the upper link isn't lined up with the lower shock mount, that shock is sitting at an angle and is getting loaded sideways. You yeah. wouldn't even think until you go to take your, you take the shock off and you realize that nothing lines up. So again, it's rare, but I've seen frames where things aren't in a straight line like they should be. Kaz, do you see, like there was an era where everybody blew their shock 
all the time. Like it was, it was always blowing a shock, blowing a shock. And as leverage ratios have kind of like sorted out, am I right in thinking that we don't see that as much anymore? Cat, uh, Taj notwithstanding. Almost, but like I will say uh, the float X2, Fox float yeah. X2, like that has had issues in the last couple of years. It seems like it was more of a QC thing, something with the materials rather than like a leverage ratio thing. And so there was a bad, like a, batch of those and i think it was widespread enough that like now if you look in the comments there's a lot of people who say like that shock's the worst where if it's working well it's a good shock and if you have one it can last a long time but there was a batch right. i would say that definitely so i think sometimes things get amplified in the comments but that shock is one that in more, that's the most recent one that we've had issues with i will say about like things that get amplified in the comments i think we often see the things that get a lot of spec like we like for somebody that sells you know, a hundred thousand of a thing and another company sells a hundred of the thing. Yeah. 3% failure on both of those things has a wildly different number of people in the comments upset about it. And, but there's all, there always does seem to be whichever time you're in, like the champion of, of yes. failure for that time. <laughs> yes. And right now, sadly for Fox, it's just, it is their time in the sun, you know, but it feels like before that, I remember a couple of years ago, it was, there's a big thing about reverbs, th- reverbs, um, the boxer, maybe 2015, maybe a bit earlier, would always get a lot of heat. You know, lots of things. Charger dampers would explode when they're Gen 1 um, because they'd ingest oil from the bottom and, and go pop. And there were lots of things like that. Maybe even, you know, carbon wheels from time to time. Carbon wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, the Owens fork that had the issue, they had to recall the fork. Yeah. The top cap. Basically, it wasn't like, there wasn't enough Loctite on the thread of the top cap of the Owens. You had to take it off and put Loctite was the fix. But apparently could pop off Taj is here like yeah, you guys ever heard of these BMX bikes there's like <laughs> none of that shit to go wrong it's a hammer to work on it <laughs> that's that's yeah well I still haven't quite given my disclaimer that I feel completely unqualified to be here and my opinions are going to offer no one any help I think the thing but, is the general rule is you've got to accept the imposter syndrome and then fucking lean into it all right and just be like just get into it you well know? then I'll, I'll from for the, the every man with a BMX background perspective, it's really hard for me to like think I could buy a pro level BMX bike for like a thousand bucks. I could jump it off a house. It's fine. Throw it down a set of stairs. It's fine. And a mountain bike that I can buy for eight grand, it might not make it down the hill. And that's the, it's partially because of my weight, right? Like I'm, a, I'm 250 pounds. So I'm like right at the max weight on most shocks. But and then I want it stiffer. Heavy, but it's not like you're 350 pounds. Well, you know it I mean? could be. Oh, no, I'm not. But no, like, no, but people, some people are. Yeah, and they want yeah. to ride mountain bikes too. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, and I, I'm kind of worst case scenario because I want stuff stiffer than what it tells me to set it at too. Mm. But like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm heavier than most riders though. And Do you know what I find crazy? You can buy, like you said, an $8,000 mountain bike and you can go on holiday, right? And people will be like, right, you're going to need this, this, and this because these are the things you could break. There's so much on the mountain bike. And I understand that we want to get these bikes to the top of the hill and we want them to be light. But there are actually so many sort of, you know how they say your collarbone breaks so it doesn't just stab you in, in the neck? There are so many collarbones on a mountain bike. Things that are kind of sacrificial lambs just to, to fall by the wayside. I mean, it's it's because we're the engine and we're a really shitty engine, right? Like BMX, nobody nobody was worried about a. I mean, I guess they are now. Like it, I've I've seen a little bit that there's like some weight weenieism in BMX. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, like super trick guys mm-hmm. who are doing quadruple tail ups want. Yeah, they're running super yeah. crazy light bikes. Yeah, but like in in general, like they're not. They aren't the engine from a from like a distance standpoint. You're not. It's not an endurance sport. It doesn't have roots in endurance 
of any sort. So right, and all the bikes are yeah more or less the same way. It's all kind of like even ground. It's yeah. Not, so not, yeah. So I mean, it's just like we are. Yeah, mountain we are, bikes are. Yeah. But they're underpinned by the problems that, that's us. Yeah, exactly. Because the amount of power we can produce, how much weight we're willing to carry. And, you know, I'm saying the bike should be heavier, but Kaz says they should be all made of, you know, should be 10 kilograms and brake all the time. Yeah, well, then you have your e-bikes. And then everything <laughs> turned e-bike specific because they had to make heavier parts for e-bikes because they were braking because you can't put the light stuff that was already braking on a bike that's heavier and gets smashed into things. Do you know what I'm glad that isn't braking anymore? Although I don't understand. Well, I, I do think we'll be tra- treading water to a bigger solution. CSUs have got better. I used to I used to go through CSUs every season, a couple. What's a CSU? So the crown steerer unit. So it's basically just that steerer is actually just pressed into that fork. And you ride it and it wobbles and it creaks and it creaks and it creaks. Then you go off a drop and it will creak and then it'll be good for a bit. But then you say you hit a forward impact, like if you rode into a curb, then it will creak that way for a bit. And the nightmare. I remember mm. getting on a, a chairlift in, in Switzerland. What's that bike park uh, near Champery, but it's not Champery? Morgan. Morgan, yeah. Yeah, and on the chairlift up, you you're kind of like going over all of these trails, and you're kind of close to them, and you could just hear the whole mountain creaking, <laughs> like the whole mountain just had like CSUs just crying out. Um, and one of the reasons we got today, we're, we're you know talking about today is that Taj, you 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 are, I think maybe you know, I think you kind of put too much. I know every time we talk about this, you say, oh, because, you know, I'm at the upper limit of, of the weight of shocks. But like I said, there are people vastly heavier than you that still want to ride mountain bikes. And should be able to ride and mountain bikes. And should be able to ride mountain bikes. All these bloody companies doing all this inclusivity stuff, just make bikes for people that are heavier would be a good bloody start. But anyway. I, I mean, genuinely, that yeah, is no, no, like, I, like true, I'm, yeah. we're being glib about it. But and like Taj is an edge case in terms of how hard he rides. But he's like, there are lots of oh, big yeah, dudes who shred, yeah, yeah, totally. you know? But, you know, we, we spoke about this and you said that, that I found quite interesting was I've offered, you know, you to loan me my bikes and you're like, oh, I don't want to break it. So we thought we'd almost, well, I, th- I thought we'd run away with it. And just if there are any product managers listening, I might actually send this to some. And I would love to try and do like an indestructible bike, you know, not necessarily if you throw it down rocks, but like just riding. It's heavy enough that it can take a season of riding under Taj and Whistler. It can have a, a full suspension frame, decent fork that's going to be able to suspend his body weight and he's going to be able to push it. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? I, I would, I would love to know Taj right now. What if you had to like guess out of all the brands out there, and maybe we can hear it from everybody after, but like, it, what would you guess would be the strongest? Let's keep it to full suspension bikes. Like, what would you? theoretically build like what would you guess would be would be the closest to being able to handle oh gosh i have no idea i mean i've had people talk to me about how some frames have different whatever the boingers the yeah different things for different weights like different what's it called like Rocker, shock no, leverage, leverage ratio, leverage ratio. Yeah, yeah. different leverage ratio for different weight riders i think that sounds like they're at least thinking about the problem um i'm still frankly terrified of carbon i don't know if that's rational at all but it just i'm so so used to steel and that's all i know and i kind of know what to feel when steel is going bad i mean that's, that, I that's will say, probably silly i want to say that it terrifies me to think about like you anybody riding at a level where their steel bmx they can feel when it's flexed out like that is kind of insane to me just mm. Like to put that much stress through those heavy ass steel bikes. Well, 
different times, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I lived on my bike at that time, rode many hours every day. I knew, you know, you could feel everything. Yeah. I, Fair enough. I probably couldn't feel that now, but. <laughs> Kaz, what would you build Taj today? Like right now, just off the top yeah. of your head. Could you also what would you include, build like, don't go into wheels, but if you could do frame and fork, that'd be sick. And yeah. shock. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably just like a, a raw Madonna. Yep. Just because big bearings, and they do offer two rocker lengths, I believe, so you can change the leverage ratio, so you can make it ones for heavy riders i can't remember where the weight split is but I could do that how tall are you tosh six one how big of a bike do you want large is that like what what um do you know <laughs> what reach you have right now i have no idea i think you'd be a pretty solid large hmm. yeah i think yeah it's a shame i would loan you my medium ramadan well it might work for him too because bmx background remember B- right bmx background <laughs> oh it's come it comes full circle 20 inch wheels on it perfect we'll get it done <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what fork would you think has what's what's impressed you with either stiffness reliability or are we just thinking you know how long until we just put you know downhill fork on there you could go dual crown but i think you can get away i'd like to, i'd like to think you can get away with a, a modern like 38 uh stand, mill stanchion fork that's being stiff enough for almost any weight rider I, I would put a dual crown fork on for him just just to remove the variable but i just got new levers to do x-ups well, we're gonna get yeah. you the one the one-sided one from no, from no I, think the crazy I, one. I think he'd be fine i mean i'd, I'd put him on a, a fox 38 and then see how it goes i this, all right unqualified i have had really good luck with that uh manitou measure for oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh i don't know what this means but it's got two air chambers yep and for whatever reason i can get it really stiff and it hasn't blown up in a season and a half yeah oh wow. yeah. that could be good too cool well, that's so we got a fork potentially yeah mm-hmm. um frame i think the raw madonna is a very very good yeah. shout I, I i mean that raw madonna is i think it's I mean the the previous generation is even even heavier but like it's a heavy bike it's huge bearings they like the safety factor is pretty high on that thing I I think that's a really solid choice and the fact that it comes in polished metal makes it look stronger exactly. mm-hmm. and my choice isn't actually far off I think it's coming from the right country it would be a Nikolai <laughs> of course it would be a Nikolai <laughs> every day of the week they just it's too complicated i don't know Taj do you think they're too complicated yeah they have like five thousand geometry options yeah but forget that just think and about Taj it. doesn't like slack super slack stuff he oh, likes shit, sensible yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, oh. got, he's running a reverse angle set on his hard deal remember oh yeah but that yeah but so we're talking about like, the third person he's right here <laughs> <laughs> um it's like he passed away from over there. Taj, Taj wouldn't have stood for this. I, I kind of like it better. I feel like you guys are going to solve my problem for me and then yeah. come back to me with but a solution. You can get less. I'm, I basically just want the bread and butter, Nikolai. Is that even a thing? It is a thing. Hear me out, hear me out. It's a drop-down menu, bread and butter. But what I mean is they do someone's like their trail bike. I think it's called the Saturn. No, 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 no. I want like the Geometron that Chris Porter is into that's just got square tubes and mixed with the perfect like big, no, no, nothing fancy. It would be perfect. What kind of nothing fan? Like, I like Nikolai's. They're yeah. really sick. Okay. I'm gonna, they're, I'm like, gonna they're the opposite of okay, nothing I'm gonna, fancy. I'm going to... They're not workmanlike and utilitarian. I'm going to say this really quick, just in case they're listening in Germany, so they won't be able to understand it if they're not that used to speaking English. They're just the right man of ugly. They were never built a bike that ugly that wasn't strong. Are oranges strong? I'd, oh, so I'll go back to normal now. I don't know. Strong, <laughs> but this will be a lot of flex. But do you know what I mean? If if you were to build a strong bike, it's probably not going to be the most sophisticated. It's it's just the right amount, just the right amount of agriculture. 
agricultural. I don't you know I mean? see. I don't see Nicolas as agricultural at all. No, I think they're like machine to like the nth degree. No, like no, I, th- I think that, I think they're precision tool. They're like a really expensive chainsaw. Do you know what I mean? They are precision precision made, but they're not they're not elegant. I think they're probably really well made, which is good. I think they're probably really strong. I think they're probably overbuilt, but they're not. They're not like yeah. elegant, like or bougie. Like, I'm sticking with the raw. Yeah. yeah, let's put this to the comments. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah, for sure. Raw was what I, I mean, had. You get mind. two frames and just hit them into each other and take one of the breaks. <laughs> Is that a good test? Yeah, we just swing them. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think Is that like the egg when the you yeah. do like the eggs against oh. each other. Oh my god, we could, we're going to play conkers with bikes, all the way <laughs> to the top. Oh my god, and then we just have like <laughs> that's a great. This idea. seems like a great commercial uh, a commercial opportunity. This sounds like a great from commercial break as we collect ourselves. So let's take it for a pause there. So Brian, you were just talking to me about Aya Texan and you're saying this means to go tip to tip or butt to butt. Yeah, tip to tip or butt to butt. Can you explain? Just with, with your, your eggs. With your eggs. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. Important bit of context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, heavens. But I think, I think that a Nikolai might just be the last man standing in terms of the, the bike conkers. Can you think of anything stronger though, Kaz? Genuinely, because I'm gonna I'm gonna probably forward this to the people that we <laughs> mention. So, why haven't we mentioned? Let's be honest. Why haven't we mentioned some of the big North American brands? Your Trek, your Specialized. Surely they'd be there. Like, well, hold on. We make bloody good bikes, and they're made of carbon fiber. Uh, I think we were talking about this before the episode. Um, I think if you are making a mass market bike for the most amount of people, you are shooting for the middle of the bell curve. Mm. in terms of like stress that somebody puts through a frame weight of your addressable market all those things and uh yeah taj pushes bikes a lot harder than the person that's like there's no mood board at major bike manufacturers that have a picture of taj up on the wall i don't think 49 year old washed up fat pro (laughs) (laughs) this is our audience we're going for it it's like you've seen that always sunny thing where there's just like the thing charlie charlie day with the all the arrows and stuff and it's just like taj specialized (laughs) hq how about okay i got a question 250 bmx frame seems stronger to me than any option you're giving me how can that be how does that make sense i don't want to even sully the conversation with the idea that Mountain bike companies sometimes just make really expensive bikes because people will buy them. I don't want to suggest that in any way. <laughs> I would be, I, I think I'd do a disservice to us all. But I think that, um, I know, hmm, I think that a lot of bikes for a lot of people could be just as good, but 10% heavier and significantly less refined perhaps, but do largely the same thing. Do you think that'd be fair? Like I know, I, I think that, I know. I, I think it's a. It's a. It betrays our road cycling routes that we have. Like, there's so much about our bikes is for lightweight. You know, even the way we look at our gear range, like gear ratios on a, on a mountain bike. The fact that we th- we think we need a ten tooth out the back, but that actually just giving us twelve gears more selection when we actually go uphill. When are you spinning out, on like a thirty two or even because you're a big man, you had a thirty four because you're an absolute madman. When are you spinning out on a thirty four ten if it's not on a road? 36 36 but jesus <laughs> so many horsepowers i am i'm conscientious objector to riding anything over 32 in fact not even that conscientious i'm mindless about it and i refuse <laughs> so when you're a bike manufacturer it's a horrible place to be because you actually can't affect very much like you your product manager is hamstrung by the the amount that people are willing to pay 
the number of middlemen in your supply chain and then like the weight of the parts that you need to put on and the price of them. So the only thing you can really affect is the frame as as a competitive advantage. So that's, I think one of them, you're totally right that a lot of this is road heritage endurance sport instead of, instead of, uh, for fun sport kind of heritage. But I think a lot of it too, is just as a, as a bike brand, like if you want to be lighter than, or if you want to be charge more than the specialized that you're next to in the shop, you, you need to find a way to affect something and it's, you can affect your weight. But do you think this, do you think the bike industry or the mountain bike industry has had, hmm, you know, Shane McConkie, I heard that, I don't know if he was the first to do it, but there's something I just misunderstand, but he went onto the snow with water skis and was like, wow, for powder, this is way better. And it was like a big paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Do you think, because even some of these like geometry things, you know, progressive geometry has been fairly drip fed through. Do you think we've had our water ski moment, Kaz? As far as geometry goes, or just as bikes As far as in bikes general? in general. Do you think we've actually really been like, wait a minute, this isn't in our case, like on ski skiing, this isn't cross country skiing. This is something absolutely different. And is that e-bikes perhaps? Oh. No, I don't want to talk about Shane McConkie and e-bikes in the same breath, but McConkie's awesome and e-bikes are just fine. But I e-bikes think- E-bikes are just fine. You love yeah. e-bikes, Kaz. They're fine, but if they went oh, away- Are you telling me that you only ride e-bikes now? That's not true. Was that not true? Yeah, it's not true. Oh, I swear. Yeah. Maybe no. that was a private, oh no, you did say that was off record. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's really not true. <laughs> but no, I think that like the, as far as a, as a dramatic shift as, you know, the reverse camber skis or anything like that, it could be equated to mountain bike geometry. Like I think we've seen that, but there's still so much that can be improved and is gradually getting better, but I don't think there's like that drastic. We can talk about the law of bikes drivetrain if you want, Brian. No, but fuck. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you say that the water ski moment is obviously the Grim Donut? Well, yeah, we did that. That's like the... <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But then if you look, it's funny because there's actually a lot of parallels to the ski world, how it progresses and the mountain bike world. Because skis got... They had all kinds of crazy shapes. Reverse camber, like a, a water ski's reverse camber. Um, they got super fat and now they've kind of come back where they've almost... Mm-hmm. Got, they like went too far. Are and we going back to 67 degree head angles? If Taj right. has something to say about Taj, it, he's yeah. in charge of that. Well, this is, <laughs> but no, I think reach numbers though. If you look at reach numbers across the board, like I think a size large, even just last season or season before, it was like 490. And now this next coming year, everything's pulling back a little bit, like five or 10 mils in some cases. I think they realize it might have gone a little too far and it's coming back. Yeah. I mean, I think especially you saw that in the thing I thought was really fascinating about the reach numbers growing was hmm, we got to the seat angles that maybe we needed, the reach angles kept on growing. And it's like they forgot that humans went to ride these bikes. Mm-hmm. Like 650 effective top tubes. They're just like, huh, well, the seat angle's good, but let's just put like a 495 reach on it and see what happens. And it'd be like, who, this is this is for the same size person. Like, what's going on? Yeah, it does seem like they forgot that you have to actually reach the handlebars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's rideable going downhill, which is fine. But then if you're pedaling uphill and it felt super stretched out. So I think we've seen like a some moderation in that. And I think there's obviously still some room for for geometry to change, but I don't, I think we've gone past the drastic shift, at least for now. I can't think of, I mean, if I could think of it, it'd be to make more money, I guess, but like, but isn't it uh, like all of those changes, it's, they're much sexier than this one will last slightly longer. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's yeah, what we're talking about. I think, well, <laughs> so I guess, so I, I didn't really, really start riding mountain bikes till I thought you said I wasn't really listening I didn't really start riding mountain bike till six seven years ago but all through my BMX group people would always be like you gotta try mountain bike you gotta try mountain bike you know and like that was kind of the any BMXer could hop on a mountain bike and do some basic tricks and it was or could like just hop on a mountain bike and win joyride slope style well 
theoretically, I guess, but that or did that happen? That happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have been me. Maybe. Who knows? But <laughs> people people would tell me that kind of thing. I'd get on them and they would just feel absolutely wretched, just terrible to write. I hated them. And then in the last some years, I I mean, maybe this is the watershed moment or whatever you're talking about, but it, they started to feel really good and really fun. And they, I'm complaining about stuff breaking, but they were like strong enough to ride hard where before they weren't like your bottom bracket story. Oh God, it was so bad. I don't, when I see, I don't want to get all kids these days, but you know, genuinely when I see some people complain about things, issues on bikes, I'm like, man, bikes used to be horrendous. Like, I remember doing my first World Cup, which was at Lords, and I was in this privateer team that had three riders, and we w- ran out of rims. That was that was I was just building wheels nonstop, like every single run it'd be a run of rim. And when I went to when I was working for a bigger team, each rider had four sets of wheels for race weekend, just because if you went up once, basically one was always set up, so you have your race tires, duplicated set. Then you'd have the wet, and then you'd have the spare. So if you went went up did one, bam, went up and did another one, bam, you still had. Mm. Whilst you were manically mm-hmm. rebuilding, and now it's changed. Now at Pink Bike Racing, we had on this reserve wheels, which I think are really good for what it's worth. I think we did one rim the whole season, yeah. something like that. Was that was that the uh, Jackson's that was crash? Jackson? Yeah, yeah, and he loved it. And also, I think because I think that the most, the worst thing you can do for wheels, at least when I dingle or hit rims, is actually when I'm not riding fully committed, but when I'm committed enough to get into stuff, but then I drag the brakes under the compression of as I'm trying to scrub off speed, and they're just square edges, slamming it in the back of the yeah. yeah. I BMX think that's what happens that. on Fridays at World Cups. BMX went through that too. Like we used to go through wheels like crazy on vert ramps. You know, you could go through three a session, and then now they're good and they're less spokes. You know, for a while they were trying to do like double the spoke count, so wheels would have ninety five spokes. It was absolutely absurd. And then now thirty six spoke wheels are fine. And why do you think? I'm sorry, maybe this is I'm as complete naive to, naive to BMX. Do you think there'll ever be? ever be carbon bmx bikes taken up in terms of street because you know you do see the sort of some of the brand language around carbon and mountain bikes you know santa cruz did that video ages ago mm-hmm. and they were just hitting it into things um do you think that could ever be taken up well you're touching on a whole different yeah so there is people there's some carbon wheels out there and some carbon frame attempts and bmx racing is certainly all carbon forks and terrifyingly light but i think it's I mean, I've worked, so I've owned a BMX company and I've worked at Odyssey and Sunday and like I got to see the design process and it's, it's actually maybe what Mountain Bike needs a little bit of is like, okay, this is the deal. We can't change the frame. We can't make it look crazy. We can't do anything weird, but we're going to try to make it stronger and it's still going to look the same on the outside. Oh, and it can't cost anymore. It's got to be 400 bucks. So wait, why, why were, was there... Why couldn't they make it look different? Was it just the market wouldn't accept it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you got to It's that's kind of the cool thing is like this is the playing field. This is the BMX mm-hmm. bike. It's a steel triple triangle frame. That's all you get. You can't make it a monocoque. It's too weird. No one will ride it. Whatever. So we, what we need is mountain bikers to be even more judgy <laughs> and like refuse to ride anything different. No, what we need is mountain bikers <laughs> say, okay, this is the bike. No more mm-hmm. kooky ideas. We're just going to make this stronger and cheaper. Subscribe. Yeah. That sounds good to me. (laughs) So that's the point, though, because why don't you think, hmm. But I think people have tried to, maybe privateer have tried to make strong, cheaper bikes rather than anything too fancy. Um, Are there any other brands that spring to your mind, Kaz, that are maybe doing doing the basics really well? There's brands like Marin, I think. I'm kind of just finished. Yeah. 
Marin. Marin. Um, but we just wrapped up our value yeah. field test. And, you know, their bikes tend to be affordable, but they have modern geometry and like solid component specs. So that's a, a company that I think is doing a good job of kind of catering to your everyday rider that doesn't want to spend a ton of money, but also doesn't want a bike that seems like a budget bike. So yeah. I think, and that's one good thing that we've talked about so many times, but geometry can make is, is really important. And then, so I guess the next thing is to make sure it's strong. So it lasts. If you bought the good geometry bike, you also want it to last. Do you think that the change in the geometry have made bikes stronger? Like just having a head tube that isn't getting loaded, like having the suspension that goes I think in I would the right argue direction? that computers have made bikes stronger. Well, that too. Yeah. Like I think that's a lot to, with everything though. I think with our- or You buy the bike and then you just talk about it on the computer exactly, rather than yeah, ride it and it lasts forever. Yeah. But like even with like the, you know, just being able to an- analyze how the bike will react without actually having a rider on it. Like the software now compared to what they're using 20 years ago is so much- greater i will replace you guys with an ai bot so quick oh i know <laughs> so, something i just want to talk about because i think that just just got, just had a thought there you know I, sometimes we know theoretically we have an understanding to be one thing but anecdotally we know it to be otherwise for instance i would say that heavy wheels and tires and it's only my opinion but theoretically less unsprung mass leads to better bike performance all round. But anecdotally, I would say my bike tracks and grips better when the wheels and tires are really heavy. Do you think? Well, what's your what's your inference with that, Kaz? What what? How do you feel about it? And why can't we just get some really fucking heavy tires, like fifteen hundred grams? And they just be? I want more options. I mean, you can. You can. There's they lots exist. of fifteen hundred grams. And I think there the reason aren't, they aren't most of them have sticky like rubber. Maxis and Conti tap out about twelve. 12, that's great. I, I think that's fine. No, but there should be an option for 1500. Why not? Why not make them really heavy? Because no one wants those except you. I do. Yeah, I except want you. Them. You can put light. We'll, we'll no, make them the heavier. Is, we'll put weights. If we'll, you've got a downhill bike. You could just run tubes. Downhill tubes. Remember those? Downhill tubes in a tubeless system. Uh-huh. Just well, stick true, them in there. True. But I think that, you know, so much emphasis is put. I don't know. I think it's kind of a backwards thing. Like, so much emphasis is put on, you know, damping on our fork. Sophisticated damping. And then put light tires on their bike. I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah, but the, the tires are undamped. What? Your tires are like undamped. You can't control the damping in your tire. Well, yes, you can. Because you can, because damping is inherently linked with spring rate. So if you want a thicker casing, you can then run lower spring rate, which means the tires are not Right, but I can just things. increase the air pressure or turn a dial on my fork where the tires are stuck with it. So you can't adjust it for no, conditions. No, 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 but it's like anything. having a base damp on your fork or your shock. But it just stays like that. <laughs> Taj is like <laughs> no, dying but, here. I know, but you know that I'm right. Surely. No, I definitely don't know you. So I don't hold want on, 1500 Let me understand. Let me understand, right? So if you run a tire that is heavier, it rebounds slower. And if you run a tire with lower pressure, it rebounds slower. Why would you want a quicker rebounding tire? Well, it doesn't rebound so fast that it affects it in a negative way. But have you ridden the hands damp? That has more to do with the <laughs> tread pattern. No, I'm, just, I'm just hitting you where it hurts because <laughs> yeah. I know you don't like that tire. Yeah. I was just like, Me and Hans <laughs> don't get along. But, but, but yeah, uh, yeah not, I'm not with your agreement that, or your, I don't follow your argument that needs to be a lot heavier, but I am happy that we have more options than ever. And I do tend to run heavier tires than... I could get away with. Like I know I could run XC tires. I feel like most interested. I feel like most of Henry's mo is to take a thing that you do, but then argue it from a point where it's just past its reasonable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to push it further. Yeah. Because yeah. if you follow Henry's line of reasoning, I'd be on a fifty-pound bike, and I don't. I wouldn't like it, and I don't. But I think that I think that similarly, I would say that Kaz Kaz's mo is to to just. He knows I'm right. He knows no, I'm right, but he enjoys not. being too sensible. There's no point in, if you can no, because I'm gonna argue that things should be strong and light. Like I want always want them to be that's better than strong and heavy. But <laughs> like but, 
that's that's the goal but it's not necessarily because we've got to think about what we do to these bikes and how we ride them yeah you smash into things yeah you smash into things I, that's a strong point is for but do you, want, do you want a light hammer or do you want a heavy hammer you want a heavy hammer i want the right one the right tool for the job i think that's the saying <laughs> yeah sensible cast yeah sensible cast. Stick with sensible here Let, let's get back let's get back to the question you had taj about 250 um bmx frames oh. and oh. how and how it just feels so much well it just is so much stronger and i mean I th- i've been kind of thinking about it a bit like part of that answer is it's fucking triangles yeah, yeah well, I mean, right? 20 inch like, wheels little no, wheels. no moving no hinges and springy bits yeah, no boiners it's totally of course i understand the reason but uh i do think i mean because it's always something new it's always the new thing it's always new it's always some straight off the testing computer mm-hmm. product whereas bmx has had 50 years of trying to perfect the same steel frame and it was more iterative like yeah well it broke there so let's make that part stronger and then instead of like you know redesigning it and trying a new type of metal and i think that that's a huge thing like for me one of the biggest problems in the mountain bike industry is i think it's good that we use computers fea is great big fan but i think we always try and revolutionize the design every time and like has you you got a bike arrived today for you that is a new a new bike that'll launch soon and i'm actually really excited to see that it is mostly the same as the last bike that they produced yeah and if you made something good you don't need to totally overhaul it the next and that's awesome I mean, that's obviously a thing that mountain bikers are guilty or the mountain bike industry is guilty of it needs the new latest yep. thing where like i feel like bmx and even like the skate world you kind of have your tool for the job but it's more about what you're doing with it where mountain bikers so many of i mean all of us just nerd out on this little nuances that most people aren't even feeling on the trail but they want to and plus they spent eight thousand dollars so they want to be <laughs> justified that their thing is amazing and yeah where it's like really i mean personally as much as it's my job to dork out about bikes like as long as it works i just want to ride in the woods and i like trails more than everything so like that's my focus but i understand i don't always actually understand why the mountain bike industry needs to like reinvent the wheel to use that phrase over and over again where it's like bikes are pretty good now and they can get a little better but why not go with taj's point and just make them cheaper and stronger and i'll contradict myself the other side of it i guess is that the bikes have gotten so good and so capable that like i have lots of friends who didn't spend 40 years riding bmx who can now ride super gnarly trails that i'm afraid to ride because a lot because of the bike like they have decent bike skills but like i love the bike- taj, taj after riding one day in the park with me is telling the story He's looking at me the whole time for the listeners at home. <laughs> He's just like, people on these these downhill bikes, they can just get there in anything. I'm like, Taj, stop looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, no, I'm not. I'm not. Of course I'm not. I do, but I do think it's amazing. I, uh, all my, like, complaining aside, I think it's amazing how open mountain biking is and accessible is to people just by having a good bike. Like, it does a lot of the work. You, you can go real fast and not really know what you're doing for sure it'll spikes will bail you out yeah it's that's funny pretty that goes, cool yeah it's funny that goes back to the ski world too because mm-hmm. when like fat skis first came out or powder skis there was like this whole people were getting up in arms like the crusty skiers were like oh but now like beginners are gonna know how to ski powder like they didn't have to go through <laughs> they didn't have to suffer like we did and there's that exactly kinda, the same it sounds exactly mm-hmm. i'm i pretty much said that exact exact sentence structure but just swapped out the relevant words yeah you know what i mean they can now ride gnarly stuff and they didn't have they to have ride to bridle tracks. Those, you know? those big wheels are dumbing down the trails. You know, those fat skis are making it too easy for everybody. It's a the, funny. The keepers thing. of the gate over here. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I've actually given up on gatekeeping. 
Oh, oh yeah. Proud of you. Yeah. Um, You're just up in your ivory tower. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't get up there because the fucking tires I'm carrying too heavy up for the stairs. <laughs> um, no, I think that I've never enjoyed my mountain biking more. I'm, I'm more, in mount, more in love with mountain biking than I ever have been. But for some reason, certain aspects of tremendous mountain bike culture, maybe it's just, maybe I'm just getting to my 30s and you just give less of a, a shit about things. But I've never given less of a shit about what other people do on mountain bikes. Um, I'm more just like, huh, all right. You know, I realize that lots of things about mountain biking culture aren't for me. Um, <laughs> I just watch it. I picture you watching some amazing video and just be like, huh. Yeah, I watched, that Brandon, <laughs> I watched that Brandon Seminuk video yesterday and I just thought, huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, getting paid. They're getting paid. so dead inside. Yeah, they're getting paid. Like they're getting paid by the time, each time they cut up a clip, that's what they want, like piece rate. <laughs> like if we if we put a hundred different clip transfers in, that, like just good God, calm down. Just it's cool, it's fine. Isn't it? Did you watch that? And did that get you excited to ride bikes? I did like it. Yeah, I mean, it was sick. Oh, there were so many. Like I just wanted to watch him ride. I know. I just wanted to watch him. I like. I think I liked it because I do like when people get mad at things for no reason. And you just got to see like for free just a couple minutes of Semenuk doing what he does best. And then people got so mad about the editing as if they could put together any edit or ride anywhere. It's so, like. I wasn't I'd like, mad. I'd like I was to anger that it and I want to make that clear. Okay, that's good. But like, I, I also do get the point that it was edited choppily, but mm. I liked it, and mostly because I had enough little. And what do you think, Taj? When you watch, when you watch some of the like, sort of slope guys do their thing. Well, Is I watched it, that one. I thought it was awesome. I agree, it, especially that there was a bit of editing nonsense that kind of took away from it in my mind. But um, here's the story: Would you rather see Brandon Semenuk edited, but twice as much as that? Or me riding but unedited that is brutal <laughs> let's let can we get some kind of like click through on the site <laughs> like a minute button and seven minute riding but you might have some kind of seizure or me riding and it's just one one no, take <laughs> I, I the that's I why i rode in front of you with the camera strapped to my back <laughs> <laughs> oh yes that's a point so oh, actually i got it with this it is that is a kind of a big difference between like the way they film bmx edits and mountain bike edits these days like bmx always seems about it's about the long shot like you can see, especially street stuff where you see the whole sequence of like went here to here to here and did a whole bunch of tricks. And then mountain biking is like chop, 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 chop. And I think mountain biking cinematic and street yeah, like it's and artsy when it's like, like BMX, they find like the goofiest, like old song that you, that wouldn't fit with the riding. And then it makes it work amazing. I don't know. Like, I mean, but I think that's, but I think I don't know if that's accurate, but that's how I, my perception. From it's the a lot less over, a lot less overproduced yeah. than normal mountain bike videos for sure. But sorry, what did, what do you think of? The current, you know, as, as Barham is saying, sort of these slope star riders doing these artsy edits. Does it get you pumped to ride? Or would you rather, is that, what do you, do you consume mountain biking medium in much or BMX media for that matter? I, I mean, you know, since I've been helping draw stuff for Pink Bike, I try to pay attention, but I, how, how do you say it? I, I like edits that feel that have feeling to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's hard to get across. There's only a few people that can really pull that off, I think. But like when it's massively overproduced, it's the same thing that happens to music when it gets really overproduced. It's too, it's run through too many filters and it's too clean. And it, I want that emotion and that rawness. I want to see a trick landed less than perfectly. And it's on the edge of killing someone. Like you Caleb Halonka. Is that Caleb Halonka, yeah. Yeah. His sick. lights out edit was so great because it was visceral, right? Yeah. It was just an animal on a mountain trying to survive. And that was bloody cool. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be death-defying. I guess I don't want to, it doesn't have to be, it's literally going to kill you. But like, I want it, I just want there to be feeling it. Like it meant something to this person. And it, 
there's those few riders who can do something and it slows down time when you watch it and it just feels real i don't know i really liked in that last brendan edit that on the the banger if anybody doesn't want to get spoiled like just fast forward this but yeah it's like the big half cab off the off the drop thing and it's like for brandon it's less than perfect he's kind of like you can tell it was he you know if it was a normal thing he would go back and clean it up but i love how like he that showed just that how again. fucking scary that was yeah, like there's no way that was he was like that's good enough <laughs> Fuck yeah that's good enough <laughs> Yeah. But that's yeah, that, yes, yeah. That, I, I thought that was actually something I hadn't seen in one of his edits. Actually, like that sort of almost not perfectly vulnerability. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I tend to like BMX edits better than mountain bike ones these days. Like the things that make because it's things I haven't seen a million times. They don't seem like they follow the same tropes as the mountain bike video thing. Like even I don't know if you saw the Jason Watts edit from like. Well, yeah, he's that, awesome. Right, obviously the the rider matters, but then you're watching like, oh, that's like next level and it's like pushing it and it's just like he's got his own thing going on it's yeah, rad there's, like, of course there's a lot of generic stuff too yeah in that world but yeah that's a great one so Taj speaking of feeling and I think that I don't know I think some people do have a kind of like and I, I, I consider myself one of these people so I'm just preparing myself to cringe as I say it <laughs> but sort of like cycling is a quite romantic endeavor in some ways it's it's self-propulsion it's it's so many things to so many different people I get the sense talking about the way that you feel about edits. You're, you're similarly have a similar view. Was there what was the zenith for you? What was the did you have an edit that you ever did where you thought, "Wow, that re- that one that one means the most to me of all the ones I did." Uh, was it following me following you down a line? That to edit released soon. Well, I can understand why. It's close. <laughs> no, no, I got to work with, I got to work with all kinds of rad people. Um, Probably my Etnies forward part. That's the yeah. video part. I was going to be so mad if you <laughs> yeah, said it so anything good. other than that. <laughs> well, so when I got to work with Dave Perrick and some other friends filming and working on it. And those those are the guys who I don't – everything they always did, it always made it look the way it felt or maybe even better, which mm. was really cool. Yeah, nice. And, and actually in that, in, in that time I was progressing a lot. I had made up a lot of the stuff that's in the part. So that was all cool. But like – Wes, what I wanted is to get across some of how it felt to how it looked. And I don't know how to do that. That's the camera people pulling that off, you know? Like, I know how to make it feel good and tell them when it felt good, the trick. But they, they're the ones who have to figure out how to put that on film. Mm. Um, cool. I think, actually, one last thing. Um, we do need to talk about A-Line. Yeah. Um, oh, I wrote A-Line for the first time yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, it's a bike trail in Whistler for those that don't know. It's got some yumps. Yep. Big old yumps. Actually, not that not that big for some people. I think they're perfectly adequately. They're pretty good. Sized. Yeah, they're good sized. Yeah, I think they, I think people kind of like. I don't know if people in the I've noticed. You know, chatting to people in the gondola cup or whatever. I think it's uncool to say they're big. I think it's very cool to be like a <laughs> line, huh? Like it's like you know one meter across. But actually, I think some of them work quite big, and you're going no, quite big jumps. Yeah. Um, I was like, for me, that romantic feeling wasn't really there I was just like yeah but apparently I'm doing it wrong hey Kaz yeah I just feel like you're really dead inside still how could still still what, when did I, I, like how, I like how me and, sorry I like how me and you know what we're inferring to but none of the listeners do <laughs> it's just a continuation yeah it's just some inside 
Yeah, but like I don't know. I mean, you're you're obviously you're at the bike park, so you know kind of what <laughs> to like, expect. You're obviously going through something. No, no, <laughs> that's separate. <laughs> so no. I'm obviously at the bike park. You're at yes. the bike park. You take a chairlift up and you go down. And I don't. I think if you rode a line, it like meets and exceeds your expectations for what a bike park trail would be like. Mm. It's a bunch of hopefully perfect jumps. Like sometimes they're not as perfect as they could be, but they're super well built. You can hit them. There's plenty of time to do tricks or whatever you want in the air. You land and there's another one. You get like 80 jumps by the time you're at the bottom. Yeah. I guess for me, I like it if they were just a bit more challenging. Not challenge. I'm not, not asking anything gnarly. I'm really not. But I think if you look at like, if you look at the way that maybe North Henry America, Quinney learns to flip. Yeah. I mean, just do more tricks. Like learn I, something. Well, I don't do any, which is the problem. Yeah. Just try to like take a hand off. But like, I think that <laughs> if you look at like the way that the jumps are built. Can you teach him uh, like a slippery salmon? Next a time slippery you guys grow? salmon. Yeah. Or jamming salmon. <laughs> Jam- <you know? laughs> Uh, yeah sure no i have an opinion on this i think that I like trail you actually the authority as well so this will be the truth i think that i think that trail is it's a roller coaster ride and you take your bike up to the top and you get sit locked in and you it's just you get to fly through the air mm. there's no better feeling in the so world good. yeah and it's simple it is simple it, is, I mean, it really is you're going fast and there's terrible consequences if you screw it up but like it's actually really forgiving and you just kind of, you could probably do it all seated on your saddle. And, but that's really fun. But I guess I, I, I understand. I think for me, the way that the, the feeling that I'm searching for when I'm riding a bike is that I am focused enough to be completely present and centered. And when I rode it, I was like, I don't really feel that That's present. the beauty of it. Cause you can zone out so hard and just do a line laps. Well, like it's like your moment of Zen. You're just like, this is all just, it just flows. And that's all point. Like, Guys, just, I want to be clear. We have to come to a conclusion on this because we are not allowed to have a different opinion. We have to all decide together, yeah, that's, that's and then true. that's the end of it. Like we I, are all going to have that opinion forever. Okay. I, I don't think A-Line needs to change for no, Henry I'm to meet yeah, Henry's yeah. needs. I just don't think I'm going to write it. <laughs> that is a lie. I can see that. Is, You'll be one of those people that's like, oh, A-Line, I'm, I'm just too good for A-Line. No, 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 no. It's not that. Please, it's not please, hard please, enough. Please, I need lippier jobs. No, sorry. Kaz, please don't paint me as that. It's not because I'm saying I'm too good. I'm just saying that I think that the same way that I know. I want something. Just how many laps more. did you do? I did the one. One lap. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Like, yeah. So your first lap down, you just cleaned everything perfectly, and then you're yeah. like, "That's enough." Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You got every every single. There was every... one. There was one that I tagged. But that's because I was leading and I yeah. tagged it. You get all like the right side lines where it's a little bit bigger than the. Left. I don't know. I mean, I was just going through. No, that. we skipped those. Yeah. I don't know. You got I mean, the mood it, was fine. it was fine. I just. Stuff. I was just like, huh. Uh, there's, I don't there's even tech know. you can ride. Maybe if you, well, have you can like do a, both. You're in. It's a bike park. The chair just brings I know, you I know, up. I know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying it wasn't. I like, think I would give it like ten more tries. Okay, at least. I'll do it ten more tries. We'll do. Yeah. We'll do. We'll do a countdown. Yeah. And on the eleventh one, I I have to <laughs> mandatorily yeah. enjoy it. I'll go ten laps in a row with you on airline. We'll see what it's like <laughs> by the end. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I admire your style. It's like the parent who's trying to get their kid into soccer. I'll be out in the garden with you every night. <laughs> yeah. You'll like it or not. Yeah. I mean, it's fine if you don't like it. Then. But no, it, you're right. It, but it's but worth also, more I do than like one being, run. I do like being contrarian, and I do like winding you up. Yeah, and that is something that yeah is wor- is more pleasurable to me than a thousand tech. I ones. know, but for everyone else <laughs> out, that's out there, I don't just ride a line all day. Sometimes I do dirt merch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I actually that's what the bike park is great because you can just alternate. You like you do some jump stuff, and then you go the next trail over, and it's techie, and then park rat cars. Yeah. So uh, do you go and swap your downhill bike for a single crown free ride bike when you do get a line one, and then I just go put back heavier to tires on, but turn yeah. on the lap. Yeah, totally. I um, I yeah, I go free ride bike for a-line jump swap it for the downhill bike mm-hmm. for the tech might bring the slope style bike out for crank it up yeah and just keep it moving yeah <laughs> and um, on that perilous note i think we'll leave it there thank you everyone for listening to our podcast product managers i'm coming for you 
with this podcast, I might actually make an excerpt to save them listen to the whole bloody thing because, you know, we want them to actually send Taj a bike at, their Taj a bike at some point to actually ride the bloody thing. Thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Oh, we're back again. So we're <laughs> going to do Music Corner. Sorry, I completely <laughs> forgot. Um, basically, this is where we just talk through some of the things that we like, some of the things we're listening to, some of the things that might, you know, strike a chord of romance or, or something similar to that. Um, Kaz, what is your submission for Music Corner this week? My submission is from an artist. Her name is Nilfer Yanya. It's N-I-L-U-F-E-R, Yanya. And the song's Midnight Sun. And just the way her, like her voice mixed with the, just the way the song's put together, you kind of just listen to it. And is this but, Spotify version or is there a particular live version that you like? Uh, the live version is decent, but Spotify's fine too. Yeah, the album version is pretty good. And yeah. there's some cool lyrics. We actually, I'm not one that can usually pick out lyrics super well, but these ones like pique my interest enough that I actually read the lyrics and they're pretty good. So um, yeah. Taj, do you have a recommendation for Music Corner? Kind of springing this on you. Oh gosh. Uh, sort of. It's not new at all, but I've been, um, my, like when I sit down to draw, it, help, it helps to have like a record that I can play over and over and over every time I draw. And that's like my cue, like hour and a half while this music's on. It's been uh, a live record by Magnolia Electric Company. I cannot remember what it's called, but, uh, we can link into it below. You can send me it later. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's been my go-to for almost like a year of like working. It just, it really like, it's the, uh, it works for me. Just find something up. Creativity gets flowing with it. Nice. Brian, uh, you got, you got a young child. I bet you're going to be like, this is the, the happy clappies farming song. I'll give you a real answer, but I will say first that my child, uh, my son is, absolutely in love with an older girl at daycare mm. and uh as a result is obsessed with the elsa song and i will say it is a banger if you listen to the elsa song like from frozen yeah elsa? from frozen yeah, yeah yeah sorry frozen yeah uh let it go oh no i can't oh my god it is a banger like it, i've no, never no, heard no, it before no. are we talking like, about the Skr- skrillex dubstep remix or? oh is that a thing <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna probably yeah. i'm sorry like I, it is genuinely <laughs> a great a great song we're not putting this one in the comments okay <laughs> i'll give you a, a real like um my version of that taj like the the work song that just like it's my comfort place is this is uh it's by anwar brahm and it's called blue macam and i'll send it to you yeah, that yeah it's great. really nice it's like very calm peaceful thing mm. it's like yeah nice i think my submission for music corner is going to be a song called tonight by beach people it's a very specific youtube it version. i think it's beach people basically this one guy it's a solo project and i think he ropes in a lot of other session musicians they're his friends and so he goes by a band name because i think he i read about he felt disingenuous just saying it was just him which I think is quite admirable, uh, but not something I'd ever do myself. I rely on a lot of people and then just sign things Henry Quinney. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, very nice. It's got a bit of everything. Um, I think it's just a very honest song. And I think that honesty and acknowledgement are some of my kind of favourite artistic themes. Is it like, is it um, like, what's the genre? I would say it's sort of acoustic, sort of a bit folky, kind of indie pop. But no, it's very, 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 very nice. Oh, yeah. I'll have a chill mix this week. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. this is pretty relaxed. Yeah. yeah, so nice. Well, cool. Well, I hope you enjoy Music Corner. And we're actually going for real this time. And you'll, you know, you won't hear from us again until next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.